They say you should never meet your heroes. But meeting them's not the problem. It's when you get too close. Close enough to see what's behind the mask. That's a line they don't want you to cross. You like a little limp biscuit? Sure. You like a little biscuit? Yeah. Yeah? Listening to the Buzzed Kill Podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. It is episode 276. Welcome back to the Buzzkill Podcast, where today we learn a hard lesson about making choices, James. In Stock is cheap. It, it is cheap. And I've got expensive taste. Oh, oh do you? Mm. Ooh. I don't know what that means. I, I like the way Fred Durst <laughs> tastes. <laughs> What's going on, guys? I'm Mike. I'm Jim. You know, of course Fred Durst would put Limp Bizkit in his movie. Yeah, why would I he I was not? waiting for it. I was honestly waiting to see if there was going to be any, any Limp Bizkit music in the movie. And not only was there the music, but they crafted an entire scene around it. I was, uh, I was to be completely honest with you, I was a little disappointed that the entire score wasn't Limp Bizkit. <laughs> <laughs> would have made the movie so much better. <laughs> it, it absolutely would have. Uh, so uh, before we get into that, though. Yeah, man. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> What's... What have you been up to in the last three and a half days? Uh, fucking Brian got me almost drunk before I came over here. <sighs> that's, fucking Brian. That's fun. He would. Go over there for chicken wings, and he busts out super high-proof whiskey. What would you expect? Nah, I, I should have expected that. That's what he does. He's yeah. just so, so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> Come over and drink my booze, he's, man. He's trying to get you to drunk trying to get you drunk so you couldn't leave. Yeah, no shit. I told him I told him that I had to leave to come over here and he got he did get really depressed. So I think maybe you're onto <clears> something. Let me ask uh, you something. Did you drink a high noon while you were there? I did not. Good. I did not. I, I've never, I won't. I've never had one. I'm not going to. Nope. Just because he keeps pushing them on me. I'm, I'm like, actually, sorry, bro. Won't next, do it. Next time I go over there, I'm actually going to bring a sixer of Smirnoff ice <laughs> just to... Uh... <laughs> what's the well, What's the equivalent of a high... Cause what, oh, it's seltzer. It's just any seltzers. Is it a seltzer? Yeah. I thought it was like juice and vodka. No, I think they're seltzers. Isn't Are they it? not? I don't I thought so. know. I think it's a vodka cocktail kind oh. of thing. Well, then I'm going to bring vodka <laughs> and juice over. Yeah. Dude, just start <laughs> make just like bring over six different types of juice and vodka and start mixing them up and he's just like you can have a high noon it's like no fuck you man it's not high noon though what but it's not high noon you can't have a high noon when it's not high noon right you know yeah that just doesn't make sense you can only have a high noon when it's noon and you're high exactly right so vacation exactly <laughs> just like you can only have an all-day ipa all, all day, day. It's we the, don't make the rules. It's the perfect all-day drinking beer. We don't make the rules. <laughs> we just we just abide by them. You can only have a blue moon once in a blue moon. What? <laughs> <laughs> Probably for the best. Uh, anyway, though, yeah. So I'm feeling like nice and loosey goosey for tonight. Good man. Which I, is I I brought a little whiskey down just so I did? could catch up to you. And it's and it's tasty. You should shoot the rest of that. Just just kill it. Yeah, there you go. That's pure pressure <sighs> for you. That's good. What you what are you drinking? Uh, that Maker's... Uh, 47? Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. It's good. I like it. Good <clears throat> stuff. 
Real so, nice, real nice stuff. So, James, how you been? Good. Yeah. Uh, what have I done in the last few days? Oh, um, I mean, we just recorded Monday. We just recorded fairness, on Monday. So. What did I do? Got a new hot water heater. That's exciting. Oh, <laughs> is the water hotter? It is. Yes. Is it not as is it not as uh, so, hard though now? So, if you recall, you could go back maybe just like maybe just ten episodes, and I said. My hot water heater broke down and I had to get it fixed and I put like 500 bucks into it. Oh, yeah. and, and now, and the guy told me, he, granted, he did tell me, he's like, he's like, you hear that knocking sound in your hot water heater? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's a lot of sediment. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, this thing's like kind of on, on its last leg. So you might, you might get like a month. You might get like six months. Turned out to be like three. Gross. So when I moved into my apartment, I don't know if you ever saw pictures of the hot water tank in my apartment when I moved into it. No. Uh, I, oh, well, before I was I, there. Before I even moved in, though, I was like, you got to get this fucking thing out of here because it's disgusting. <laughs> I'm not drinking water or bathing in water that comes out of there. There's literally a dead raccoon floating in it. When the guy pulled it out, he said there was like seven inches of sediment on the mm, bottom of this mm. thing. So, can you imagine that, though? Like That's the, that's the water you're, you're washing your dishes with and you're showering in and everything else. Fucking um, gross. It's not. I mean, it happens to all hot water oh, I, heaters. I, I, uh, I don't want to know about it though. That's the thing. As a so these this is one of those things that you learn when you become a homeowner that you don't know at first. You're I never knew you were supposed to drain your hot water heater once a year. Oh, I've never done that. Uh, that's why you got sediment in your hot water heater. <laughs> oh. So you're supposed to do that. But even the guy who came and replaced my wa- hot water heater, I was like, so I got to drain this thing once a year. He's like, he's a. I think he's Russian. He's like he's like yeah, but I don't I, I don't do that. <laughs> he's like I am I am one of these people who I will tell you you are supposed to do it, but I don't do it at my own home. So you know you get fifteen twenty years out of it. I'm did like you, okay, cool. Thanks for being honest with did me. Did he go? If you don't though, you will break it. <laughs> <laughs> I must break you. So then they called me. I the, the a lady from the company called me. Was she hot? Sounded hot. Sounded like she was in her seventies, but like a very young seventies. Um, and she calls me and she's like, "Yeah, so I'm calling to set up your inspection. Like the city has to come out and inspect it to make sure everything's up to code and everything like that." And I go, "Okay." So she goes, uh, "She goes. They will. They only come out uh, Mondays and Thursdays, and they don't call you when they're coming out, and if you miss it." They fine you. And I'm like, um, that's like, in a nutshell, bureaucracy. Oh, yeah. And the way it works. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Just like a, just a useless bureaucratic wing of the local government where it's like, yeah, we're going to come to your house and check out your stuff. And we're not going to tell you when we're coming, but you have to be there. And if you're not there when we show up, we're going to fine you. <laughs> it's like, just give me, a, why don't they call? Because they do, I. They don't, why? Because they don't want you to be around. Because they want to find you. Because they want to get that. That's why. Because <laughs> they want to get that skrilla. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Oh yeah. So dude, anyway, every, dude, every city's like that. So though. they're gonna be here. They're gonna be here either Monday or Thursday between one and four. Okay. And I have no idea when. Oh, well, you got time. So at least. fuck off, idiots. Uh, but that's all <laughs> I've got going. On. <laughs> I got a. I got a. a Birthday party tomorrow, and then you and I are going to the Love and Touch. To, we are to we see are. Uh, to see a band tomorrow. Are we just buying tickets at the door? Yeah. How are they going to fit a band in your bedroom, though? Well, it's not easy, but <laughs> if you move the bed over, 
<laughs> you've, you've done this before. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. You can squeeze them in. Okay, that's fair. All five of them. <laughs> oh, there's only four of them. Never mind. Yeah, but, they, but their costumes are huge. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to see a band called TWRP, and they're... You know, their merch guy calls them twerp, so I think they go by twerp. Oh, is it twerp? Their, their actual name is Tupperware Remix Party. I did not know that. But they had to change it to the acronym because Tupperware threatened to sue them. Oh, come on. <laughs> right? Really? So, uh, yeah, Get so, the plastic but, out of your ass. Yeah, but, <laughs> but their, uh, their merch guy calls them twerp. So okay. I guess you can okay. go by twerp. I like TWRP. I do personally. too. Um, they're basically, if you've never heard of them, they they tour with this band called the Proto Men that we like a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, they they describe themselves as playing the theme music to TV shows that are your favorite but don't exist, right. or something like that. <laughs> well, they're like their whole gimmick is that they they all met each other at different times in at different points in space and time. And they all wear costumes on stage, and their bass player is one of the best bass players, hands down. Is he? Oh, he's so good, dude. Uh, Commander Meowch. So good. <laughs> Commander Meowch. He dresses like a lion on stage. That's amazing. And now he's got a he's got a really cool uh, like policeman kind of looking cap that he wears, and he's got a new mask too. Like the mask is not like uh, it's got like a big mane now. Okay. It looks really dope, but he's oh my so god, it's a male he's just, lion now. Like they put on a really, it looks like they put on a really fun show. I've watched a lot of videos of him. I've never seen him live, but um, I'm mostly going for the bass, dude. It's like he's so phenomenal. He's out of this world. Hey, he's out of space and time. So good, dude. I like it. But, yeah, uh, I'm just yeah, going we're gonna because do that. it's gonna be fun. I'm just going because they look fun and beers. We're gonna drink beers. We're gonna. They're like a fun. They're like a funk fusion electronic like they're a good time they're just a good time it's gonna be a lot of fun that's all you need to know yeah so uh that's all i've got yeah to that's all i've got to say yeah i i I literally have nothing i've done nothing this last week right i've just worked a bunch and uh yeah you uh updated your landscaping which is Uh, really exciting i I did i did i we don't i'm like 90 percent finished in my backyard at this point i need to build a bench and then I think I'll be done. I'm only about 10% finished with your backyard. We'll be at 20 by the end of tonight. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, no, uh, not a whole lot to uh, discuss this week. Cool, actually. man. Well, yeah. speaking of ruining your backyard, why don't we get into some corrections from last week? Okay. Stupid! You're so stupid! All right, James. Well, I don't actually have any corrections from last week. Uh, so I, if you do... I've got sort of a correction. We were talking about Cronenberg's uh, new film, Crimes of the Future. Correct. And I said, isn't there a movie called Future Crimes or something like that? I was thinking of the movie Time Crimes. Ah, okay. So there's that. And then as future, an... I think Future Crimes is like the new Law & Order Mixed with Minority Report. Oh yeah, I think that's what it is. But still starring Christopher. Law, Law still, and Order. Still starring Christopher Maloney. Law and Order. Future Crimes. I'd watch the <laughs> shit out of that. Actually, <laughs> it's just it's just people going and knocking on the door of other people <laughs> going. Yeah, we think that you might kill somebody at some point. No, I promise, I'm not going to. Yeah, but you, but you might. Yeah, but you might. So you look, you look like the kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, you really seem sketchy. Um. And then just to add on to a discussion from last week that okay. I feel oh, like God. I feel like we didn't hammer this out enough. And then you took a little bit of time to talk to Josh from the Bloody Good Film Podcast. 
and and, and, Alex. and Alex from um from Beyond the Void horror podcast and I bring this up because both of them agree with me so I feel like it's important to discuss this further so that we can kind of cement that okay. you are wrong. So so in fairness, Alex did tell me that I brought up something that he had never thought of before. Mm-hmm. He still doesn't he still doesn't <clears throat> personally buy into it. Yeah. My whole thing was this. We were talking about how I was under the impression that Nikki played by uh, uh Debbie, Debbie Harris. Debbie Harris. Yeah. Uh that she was dead for most if not the entire movie. Sure. Basically. Yeah. And I wasn't the only person that thought this cuz I had done I looked up afterwards to see what other people thought. Mm-hmm. Other people thought the same thing. Okay. Because they do say at the end of the movie um like I discussed in the episode last week, mm-hmm. they do say she's been dead for quite a while. Now, whatever quite a while means to you, I guess is up for interpretation. Yeah. That being said, I I'm stuck on this fact that she was not who she appeared to be for almost the entire movie. Because of the way that they introduced her character, okay, they're on the move. They're on the TV set movie, right? Or, or the the um, the TV set for the show, and when they're doing the interview, when they're doing the interview yeah, in yeah, the yeah. beginning, yeah. And you see the uh, you have the host who is there in person, mm-hmm. and then you see Oblivion, Brian Oblivion, on the TV screen, right? So he's he's dead, right? Right. In screen, right? And then you see um, Max live in person. Right. And then instead of going over to Nikki, who is sitting right next to him, they choose to show her for the very first time also in a TV screen. It's like an over the shoulder shot of one of the uh monitors. Yeah, like one of the TV monitors but they sh- and but that's how you see her. I feel like Cronenberg at least to me, right? Like I I don't know, I'm probably not as big of a I like I love Cronenberg, but I'm sure there's people who've gone way more down the Cronenberg, you know, uh, rabbit hole than I have. Sure, yeah. That being said, I feel like he does a lot of things very deliberately, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's not just a random choice. And I feel like they framed her like that to to subconsciously tell you something and to set something up. I think you're right, and I I like the theory that you have, but I still think it's slightly wrong. And here's why. Here's why. Um. I went back and I watched some of the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and then I like skipped around, and then you get to uh, Spectacular Optical, who's the the they're the company who are ultimately is, it's revealed yeah. that they are behind Videodrome, aka the company who's manipulating Max in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, um, and if you look at their logo underneath their logo. Uh, I can't remember exactly what scene it is, but they they have a, a a motto underneath their logo, and it is uh, let me get the wording right here, keeping an eye on the world. Yep. Right. So I think that um, I think that that shot of her through the TV monitor is more suggesting not so much that she's a hallucination already, but that but that uh, spectacular optical is present in that moment they're watching this interview and they're recognizing the fact that nikki brand is could potentially be a useful tool for them to seduce max sure to kind of start his transformation because up to this point he's only seen videodrome one time sure but his his sidekick that guy though has been there for two years God yeah. knows what else he was doing there. He was a plant for this company, and sure. he's been with Max for two years. Right. So 
who know who, who's that? I'm this is going off on a very big limb here. Who but who's to say that this that the video drone program, like the TV show, was the first time they had done something like this? I, I just so I could I could buy into that if there's nothing to suggest that that was going on. No, there, there's and not. So You're that's right. a huge assumption. I feel like though I feel like though when you first meet Nikki, she's she's of she she's she's brought on to be his counter, right? Mm-hmm. But then that's how they they approach her when they first start asking her questions on that uh, on that TV show. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he turns to her, everything shifts. Her whole demeanor changes because she's now buying into his the, you know him hitting on her and this and that and being oh yes I am being provocative I'm this and that I f- I almost I almost wonder I almost wonder if and this is again going out on a limb but whatever I almost wonder if the the person that is sitting next to him in real life in the studio if we never actually see her and we're only seeing her through his eyes and he's projecting his own fantasies on this woman. Right, because even the TV show host looks at him really strangely, like like who are you talking to like this? What are you doing? Like, it's, well, they're it's, all very but put off. But by that's it. because he stops in the middle of an interview to turn sure. toward her and say, "I'd like to take you out to dinner tonight." That's sure, a, that's a strange thing to do during an interview. I just get a, it but again. Like I said, what are the odds? I said, uh, like I said, I, f- I feel like I like to I like to go at things where I uh, I think it's important to make. The least amount of assumptions. I feel like in a movie like this, though, that's part of the fun. It, it's all no, built I, in. I think you it's. Know? I think it's. A, I think it's part of the fun to make to 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 pick up on things that may be inferred. But like, I think that you have to make. I think you have to make like a whole list of assumptions to th- to think what you're thinking. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't th- I don't think so because, like <clears> I said, I I. I'm stuck on that first reveal of her. Right. I really am. And then what are the odds? I mean, can and what you, are the can odds you... though that there's somebody else on that show that is brought in to be counter to him, and she fits every single every single piece of his mold of somebody that he would fall in love with into the same shit as fucked up as him, but if not more so, and that's what he like kinks over, right? Like, what are the odds? Like, I feel like she is built in his mind. And he's well, and he's hallucinating. She still she still comes across as somewhat reserved until he exposes her to video drum the first time because they're sitting in the apartment and she. But she's off. But she's saying that I get turned on by that stuff. It gets me going. I'm perfectly fine before sure. he ever puts the tape on for. Her. Sure, but that's, so she's already like that. Well, video drum didn't fuck her up. Maybe until to a certain afterwards. extent. Yeah, I just I don't know. Listen, I'm probably Can wrong. You, I, I'm probably you're not wrong, necessarily but. wrong. I'm just try, I'm trying to throw out a different argument here. The the idea, like I think that I think that the the fact that the, like we're doing three movies this week. I think the <laughs> I think the fact that the motto of spectacular optical is keeping an eye on the world mm-hmm. is very telling, and I don't think that that's I don't think that that's unintentional. That's a that's a good point too. You know what I mean? It's a good point too. Um, like I said, I maybe I'm just. Maybe I'm putting too much into it, but that's kind of the fun of movies. It's all about interpretation. Right? Well, and especially David Cronenberg movies, because sure. like you brought up last week, sometimes it's almost like he's asking questions in movies that he doesn't even know the answers sure. to. He's almost like sort of like throwing these out there and asking the audience what they think. Yeah. You know? Sure. And that's... It's what, like a good song, a good lyricist. Yeah, actually, absolutely. And that's what's awesome about uh, David Cronenberg movies. I don't think that... I, I don't think it's important for us to even have a solid answer about this. Like, yeah. I'm totally comfortable with allowing you to continue thinking that you're right about this. 
I'm not. I'm not trying to like dog I'm totally on you. Totally comfortable with you with with you no. being wrong, and that's fine. <laughs> no, my point is, you might not be wrong, and I'm totally okay with you continuing to think that, and I'm totally okay with me continuing to think what I think. Yeah. Just as I'm totally okay with Alex or Josh. Sure. Maybe both of them thinking something slightly different than both of us. You know what sure. I mean? Sure. It's one of those movies, and David Cronenberg is one of those directors who so much of his stuff could be left open to interpretation and why try to nail down the meaning entirely just let the movie mean what it means to everybody else yeah but but we should still discuss it because sure that's, no absolutely because that's why he makes these movies absolutely you know? so so like technically speaking <laughs> i will give you I, I i will see that but probably in the in in the very straightforward contextualized you know version of the movie you guys are probably right yeah i just can't shake that opening scene like there's something about that that sticks <clears throat> out to me that just puts everything else kind of on its head sure yeah so, that's where i'm at with it cool uh oh also also it goes without saying <clears throat> fuck off josh yeah calling me out yeah <laughs> oh no not not yeah because you agree with me so right <laughs> on right no, on josh no, no take backs um, <laughs> all right cool anyway though uh what um yeah, that's 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 it for corrections. Okay. So, uh, what are yeah, we what doing are, this week? Yeah, what are we actually doing this week? Uh, so, stock is cheap. This week, we're talking about some uh, some creepy stalkers. We decided to pair up one of now. I can I can actually say this because I've seen it. Uh, one of one of the best, at least that I've seen, Stephen King adaptations. Oh, it's one of one my, of the it's one, one of, of the very best. Dude, it's so so good with uh, Fred Durst's choices. Yeah. <laughs> God. I'm going to I'm going to lean on you a lot. I think when talking about the fanatic, that's fine because there's there's a lot in it to go through, and um and I'm going to lean on someone else or some or I'm going to lean on the opinions of other people in a way which okay. which will be clear to you uh, yeah. when we talk about it. Sure, but, sure, um, sure. Yeah. So anyway, we're talking about the fanatic, directed by Fred Durst. Yep. Uh, uh, John Travolta's comeback movie. Yeah. He did not to get into this now. He did so much press for this movie. It is unreal. I tried looking up. I'm like, I wonder if there's any interviews of him talking about. Dude, they're everywhere. He was on Good Morning America. It's really talking bu- about this. It's movie. really bizarre, dude. It's like it's. Uh, I, it's, I it's, just like I. I just kept thinking like. Did, did, did all these people? Did all these people owe Fred Durst a favor? Or is, something like I keep thinking. How like, did he get John Travolta and and Devin Sawa? I know Devin Sawa's career is not quite what it used to but be. This but was, like, this was actually a big comeback for him. He's actually been in a lot of stuff since. Yeah, he's having a career resurgence. Yeah, and um, I like Devin Sawa. So do I. So. I we're getting too yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the other movie, w- which we were talking about, one of Stephen King's best adaptations, as far as I'm concerned, obviously, as far as Mike is concerned, Dreamcatcher. <laughs> <laughs> um uh misery <laughs> sorry yes that one misery from uh what was it 1990 oh you know what i don't think i actually wrote the date down i don't think i did either it's, uh, we'll get that uh real, we'll get, we'll get that piece, info. we'll get to that when we get to the tofu real piece anyway so the you're gonna have to explain this one to me okay. a little bit okay. uh so there were, and we've never had this one on the show no we have not i know that this used to be chris um uh, Oh geez, why can't Saint Pierre? Chris St. Pierre's last uh last name. This used to be his last name. <laughs> Chris St. Pierre's. This was one of his favorite beers. Yeah. Uh from Oddside 
Uh, yep. Odd side. Didn't it used to be called Odd Side Ales? It, it was, yeah. It's just when did they change now. their name? I'm not sure. Weird. Probably because they don't make all ales anymore. Well, from Odd Side, this is Bean Flicker. Yeah. <laughs> the coffee blonde ale. Uh, sure to surprise your palate, this coffee blonde ale is extremely smooth and sessionable. With notes of vanilla and chocolate, crisp and refreshing, it's a 4.5 percenter. Ooh. And uh, it's brewed and canned by Odd Side Ales. Ah. Grand Haven, Michigan. Yeah, buddy. So the reason that I chose this is uh, is because both Annie Wilkes and Moose totally flicked their beans to <laughs> oh my god to dude. their uh, <laughs> perspective stockies. <laughs> that is that's astute. That's I would that say is. that's an ast- that's an astute assumption. I I was kind of surprised I couldn't find anything like Cheers, fanatical buddy. beer or something like that. Yeah, it seems like it would anything, be so. or like super fan yeah, or something like that. Yeah, you would think. You would think. Cheers, bud. I like this stuff. It's very good. I've had it before, and it's 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 just weird to have because like it's weird that it's in an ale. Like it feels like it should be like. That's a what heavier... I was gonna say. Usually, when you have like coffee, uh, like uh, coffee forward flavors in a beer, it's in a stout or like a porter or something like that. You in know fairness, what I mean? though, that's what Oddside does. They right. they mix and match flavor combos that you would never think. Yeah, of. Yeah, they have. If uh, if you don't have Oddside wherever you are listening from, they've got. They're pretty well known for just they take two very different flavors and mix yeah. them together into an ale they which were is... they were the first company that i ever had a red ipa from and there was it's called the red ipa red the yeah. red eye like i think we've had it i think we had it on the show once. uh we might have we might have that was it the first time i'd ever had one there's a couple other companies that make them now um but yeah they're 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 awesome though it's just a really it's good it's really good and it's like it's if you like the if you like the taste of like a coffee, coffee heavy beer, coffee and vanilla especially yeah. without like the actual heaviness of a stout, that's a sure. really good beer. But it also just tastes like a nail still too. Mm-hmm. It's 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 mm. biz- it's a bizarre flavor combo. It's very good. I like yeah. it a lot. Yep. So anyway, that's what we're drinking. That's what we're talking about. Let's get into the bleed feed. The bleed feed. All right, James. Am I that? Am I that predictable? Predictable, yeah. Isn't it funny how you just like forget words when you talk into a <laughs> microphone? <laughs> what are the words? I, there's Mike has to do so much editing where where I'm just sitting here going, uh, f- uh, you know the uh uh, and there's... I'm and I'm trying to and I'm trying to come up with the word like advantage. You know, like something that you might say every fucking day, but um, I can't think of it because I'm talking. Van's age. Uh, uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like a lot, but like altogether, I probably cut out a good solid two to three minutes. Yeah. Per episode. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's just a ton. And you don't even realize it when you're talking. Right. Um, But like I can go through the timeline and just see gaps, you know, and I'll go into it. Yeah. But yeah, it's fucking weird. Anyway, oh, though. God. Speaking of things that uh, we didn't expect, uh, Ray Liotta passed away. Oh, no, dude. Like, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah, it's awful. Uh, yeah, uh, Hannibal uh, is, is the movie that we all best know from probably in horror. Uh, he's been in a ton of other stuff, but like, he passed away at the age of 67 this week. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, like, you know, well, obviously, 
horror people oh. go to Hannibal, but come on, Goodfellas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just I only said I only bring up Hannibal because it's it's we're a horror podcast. Well, sure, you know, yeah. So that's what yeah. we're catering to. Uh, but like, also, he was funny pieces. as shit in the league. <laughs> He is, I thought he was he really funny in the league. Great, in he's the only league. in like two or three episodes, <laughs> but he's so funny. Uh, Place Beyond the Pines, he was in uh, Wild Hogs. Can't forget about that. Uh, <laughs> just tons and tons and tons of stuff. Uh, Who be Halloween? Fuck, my one of my was he really? one of my <laughs> new favorite. Yeah, he's the. I uh, haven't watched it yet. Oh my god, dude, he's he's the uh, mayor of the city, and he's he really? fucking great. That's one of my staples now. Every year, it's Who be Halloween. Uh, pretty much, I, I've I've narrowed it down. I think to on my. Halloween Eve or on Halloween, mm-hmm. it's I have to watch Halloween mm-hmm. or at least one of the Halloween movies. Sure, yeah. Typically Halloween, uh, Who Be Halloween and Tales, Tales of, Halloween. of Halloween. Yeah, it's it's like my trifecta now. Sure, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, little from column A, little from column B, column C. You know. <laughs> um, let's see here though. Uh, he is also going to be in Elizabeth Elizabeth Banks's upcoming thriller Cocaine Bear, which cocaine? is oh yeah, <laughs> that's where the bear gets a hold of some cocaine, <laughs> goes on a rampage. Awesome. So, um, but yeah, it just says that he passed away in his sleep. So there was really no, he's only 67. So 67. Yeah. I'm, I, I know this sounds terrible. I hope that this was like a medical thing and not something else. Well, and he passed away in the Dominican Republic. That's weird. Yeah. Wait, isn't that where, isn't the Dominican Republic where they're having all the weird, like all the mysterious deaths of American tourists right Is that now. What Bob Saget was. I don't know. Oh, I'm <laughs> knocking people off because of COVID. Well, <laughs> where was uh, where was Taylor Hawkins? That was Columbia. That was Columbia. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about though? Have you been? I, yeah, have you I been have, hearing about this at all? I have actually. It's, yeah. it's at a like a, it's like a, at a specific resort. Yeah. Where they've had like a dozen mysterious deaths of American tourists. And yeah. I can't remember where it is exactly. Dominican Republic uh, deaths. M- mysterious deaths. Americans. Oh, let's, see, boy. let's see what we get here. We're going down the rabbit hole. Uh, we really are live on, <laughs> live on air. Um, there are 10 Americans reported dead after staying in Dominican Republic resorts. Yeah, that's from 2019, though. Okay. So that's a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, Weird, though. Still strange, yeah. Well, I, I, just, saw, I just saw a news story about it a couple well, weeks hey. ago, though, so... The mob's going to be after him now, though. If there's something shady going on in the Dominican Republic, we're going to get to the bottom of it. You know what I'm saying? It's going to happen. <laughs> sure, yeah. Joe Pesci's going to go down there and show him what's up. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, moving on here. Uh, fans of True Detective uh, will be happy to know that uh, the upcoming season four is getting a big name attached to it, as they other seasons have as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jodie Foster... Speaking of Hannibal, Jodie Foster will be uh, starring in the new season for HBO. Uh, I've, I I am still like one of the only people in the fucking world that has not watched True Detective. Um, uh, no, same. I haven't oh, either. okay. So there's two of us at least. At least I'm in semi-good company. Also, Jodie Foster wasn't in Hannibal, was she? Yeah. No, wasn't she? W- I think Julianne Moore took up the. Uh, fuck, you're took right. Took up the mantle. Oh, my cred's going down the tubes. <laughs> what an asshole. Uh, fine. She was in Silence of the Lambs, though. But yes. um, speaking of the Silence of the Lambs Hannibal series. There you go. Boom. Got it. Nice. Jody Foster. background. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, we were talking about Stephen King earlier. Uh, he's got a new book coming out, a new novella called Rattlesnakes. Oh. And uh, he was on uh, the Losers Club podcast this week and revealed that Rattlesnakes is, in fact, a sequel to Cujo. 
Really? Yes. And, and it's about it's about rattlesnakes. It's about rattlesnakes with, um, <laughs> with rabies. King tells the 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 rattlesnake club, the losers club. I just wrote a long story called Rattlesnakes, and it involves at one part twins who are only four years old falling into a rattlesnake pit. Oh no! And the snakes get them. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a terrible scene. Even even at this you, stage in the game, he's just killing kids left and you're right. You're talking about this it. literally as Gage just died. <laughs> Gage just ate shit. We're watching, oh, dude. This is the, one of the worst scenes, dude. Because he was such a little cutie. Oh my god, dude! In the flashbacks. Oh, I can't. That's awful. Uh, so if we can, yeah, gauge, we're watching Pet Cemetery right now. <laughs> gauge uh, this new story off of this. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty graphic. Um, he uh, continues uh, teasing that it has a connection to an iconic story from his past. This novella that I've just written, Rattlesnakes, is actually a sequel to Cujo. Wow! Boom! Wow! So that's pretty exciting. Also exciting, James. Yeah. Laser ray. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing for you, dude. There's nothing? No, literally nothing. There's the uh, Vinegar Syndrome's Halfway to Black Friday sales going on right now, mm-hmm. but uh, it ends probably before you're going to listen to this episode. But they did have a bunch of new releases on there. Um, I don't know what they were. Uh, I know Hobgoblins, was, I think, was one of them. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, there's Hobgoblins and something else. Uh, I looked at it. I'm not going to get anything this time. So it's uh, slashed up to 50%. Uh, from now until Monday at eleven fifty nine p.m. Yep. Um, and the sale includes Thriller, Scared to Death, Voyage of the Rock Aliens, which looks awesome, uh, Hobgoblins, mm-hmm. Cloak and Dagger, mm-hmm. uh, Miami Connection, which is an absolute banger. Yep. Uh, Horror High, Red Surf, Expect No Mercy, uh, and that's it. But uh, I will say the the um, cover art for every single one of these is amazing. Yeah, these boutique labels Beautiful. always do a good job. Yeah. Most of them do at least. Very, very nice. What I don't like about Vinegar Syndrome is that the backs of their slipcases are just more art. And I don't know why, but I'm weird about like you, when I you flip like it to over. See, like, I want to see. On yeah, the I want. I want to see what's in the discs without sure. having to take it out of its slip. Yeah. I don't know why. That's annoying to me. Well, is it so the slip cover has more art, and then you would just have to take it out of the slip cover yeah. to see more. So you're just a lazy piece of I, shit. That's is pretty what much it what comes it is. down to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I was gonna get some stuff off of that sale, and then I realized that all four movies that I got at Christmas. I have yet to watch any of them, so I should probably do that first. Which movies? Uh, what did I get? I got Fade to Black. Um, I got Andy Warhol's Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. I got... There's two other ones I can't think of. Right so, so this is where you're at in your, your, your collecting journey, is now you feel like you have to watch the movies before you add more to your collection? No, I just feel like I should watch what I got from last time before spoken, I spend a bunch of money. Spoken like a true chump, I man. I know. Like a true chump. I, I, I remember. <laughs> I remember when you used to text me like, Every three days like and just chump. be like, check hey, out. Like a chump. Hey. Hey. <laughs> he used to text me like every three days and be like, check out this stack I got. And it'd be like 40 <laughs> movies. I'm like, dude, where are you going to put all those? Uh, yeah. it's. It, I used to have more time, in fairness, to watch too. Well, you also used to just buy indiscriminately. 
Yeah, I would. Like, you would just go and you'd be like, oh, this is a movie that some I've heard someone talk about at some point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now you're well, a little were, more... Now you're to, a little more... Uh, I used to buy stacks, though, when they were like a dollar or less a piece, too. Sure, yeah. So I'd yeah. come home with a stack of 40 movies. That happens sometimes. Oh, it'd be like 10 bucks. If not more, because it was like buy buy two, get five free. Right. Or like, like this replay would have these crazy, stupid deals. That and right. Did you used to buy at Rockabilly's? Uh, Rockabilly's. Yeah. Uh, not Rockabilly's. Uh, uh, um hot hits oh hot hits yeah. that's it yeah but okay. but point is though is like i i would get these stacks and they, I, or they'd be movies just i've already seen stacks that i was just getting to add to my collection yeah so right. whatever uh yeah so uh nothing um laser ray except for that all right so, so uh something just went into public domain james oh yeah <laughs> that, that's something you can always you can always count on horror fans to take anything that falls in the public domain and try to capitalize off of it awesome. for better or for worse. Yeah. I don't know where this one's going to fall, um, but Winnie the Pooh is now in public domain, <laughs> and and instantly, instantly, there's already a horror movie coming out called Winnie the Pooh: Blood and Honey, which is a Win- great name. By Winnie, the way, Winnie the Pooh. You just said Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. And it's and it's Winnie and Piglet <laughs> going on a killing rampage. And the Winnie the Pooh mask is just—it's like, uh, you know, when you have you ever seen those like where artists will do artist rendering, yeah. like realistic artist renderings of like Charlie Brown. Yep. And he just looks They're fucking terrifying. terrifying. Oh, the, Simps- the Simpsons. Or one? the Simpsons. Terrifying. That's what the Winnie the Pooh mask looks like. And then the, his nose though looks like one of the Whoville people's. Nose. It does. Yeah, it's very it's like, like very upturned pointy. and yeah. pointy. And then the piglet mask is literally just like a wild boar. It's got tusks. Yeah. He's back to being wild and all that. <laughs> it's, I. It's I, awesome, dude. I don't know what to think of this movie, but I will watch the shit out of it. Winnie I'll the tell po- you that yeah, I will watch it based off of the title alone. Yep. Winnie the Pooh, Blood Ooh. and Honey. That's a when fantastic we, name. When this comes out, we should do a double feature of this and Saturday Morning Massacre, which is basically What's the that? horror movie of Scooby-Doo. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's not good, but it's a fun watch. Oh, sure. <laughs> this probably won't be either, yeah. <laughs> you know? But uh, anyway, though, um, yeah, that's uh, that's your news. Not a whole lot this week. Cool, man. It's well, only been um, four days, in fairness. But... Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to get six to seven more shots of whiskey and Mike. And then when we get back, we're going to talk about people just nerding out yeah. over their favorite artists. Yeah. Just getting weird with it. <laughs> Emphasis on weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back. Throughout this, they'll see faces ripped apart with hooks, a man slashing himself into a bloody pulp, and graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description. When you have a filmography that includes a movie like Battlefield Earth. It's very... It's, <laughs> Stupid humans. <laughs> it's very difficult to ever imagine there being a lower point on your filmography. <laughs> and John Travolta has absolutely outdone himself. <laughs> um, of, of course, we were first talking about The Fanatic from 2019, uh, directed by none other than Shia, man. Shia! Fred Durst. Of the biscuit limp. All right. Uh, 
You know what time it is. <laughs> um, th- th- this movie is a rabid fan stalks his favorite action hero and destroys the star's life. Here's the thing. This is not Fred Durst's first movie he's directed. Really? This is not Fred Durst's second movie. This is his third movie he's directed. His first movie... Pardon? His first movie <laughs> is extremely well-regarded. What? Uh, yeah, it's a drama about bullying and a bunch of other stuff. It's called The Education of Charlie Banks. Oh, I've heard of that movie. And it's starring Jesse Eisenberg, Sebastian Stan, and a bunch of other people. And that was Fred Durst's directorial debut. Really? And it was like, it was critically applauded. So for him to go, like, see, he's capable of making good choices in movies, right? Dude, but I'm I think that this is what happens when you let Fred Durst and another and his writing partner, both of which who have never written anything a day in their lives, mm-hmm. and it took them tw- ten to twelve years to write this movie. Dude, if you can he, believe that, he has forty. Well, they're all music videos. I fairness. know, but still, like, I'm looking at some of the music videos that he, yeah, uh, like <laughs> he directed. Well, first of all, I'll start with "Ba with the Bob." I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, falling away from me, the corn yeah. video, dude. I fucking used to love that video. What, uh, a little bow wow video, <laughs> dude. Puddle of mud. There was one that I just saw a second ago though. Stained. Uh, I think he did a couple. Uh, there was. Oh shit. I, oh man, I just lost it. Oh, this is his acting credits. Hold on. Um. Oh, <laughs> Deadsy, the key to Gramercy, Gramercy Park. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I I always... fought, that video. <laughs> I always thought that Jonathan Davis directed that. I did too. But you can see my my our confusion because they're Cause John- practically the same person. Right. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so here's the thing. The Durst, bar. He's capable, right? He's more than capable. Sure, yeah. I've always said that Fred Durst well, is a smart dude. Uh <laughs> <laughs> fine. As smart as you can be from Jacksonville. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh he's not on bath salts. That's that's a win. That's a win. That's a win. So already he has a leg up on most of the people from Jacksonville, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry to anybody from Jacksonville, <laughs> but you know the you know you know the drill. You know what it is. So here's so, oh god, okay. I had I had seen clips of this movie, sure, right? and I had not wanted to watch this because of the sheer. In my opinion, disrespectful nature of this movie, <clears throat> like horrendously disrespectful mm-hmm. to the entire autism spectrum community mm-hmm. and and those who are are associated with that community, right? Mm-hmm. And it's weird to me. Uh, the The character of Moose is it. He's never in the movie. They never draw attention to the fact that he is autistic or that he's on spectrum, but it's more than obvious. Mm-hmm. And the way that John Travolta this is going to sound terrible. This is going to sound terrible. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and say it because I think that it's, there's a, an air of truth to it. There are certain performances throughout cinema history, right? Of actors taking on the roles of people who are in some way or another, um, either, either handicapped or mentally ill or whatever, whatever the case may be. Right. Mm -hmm. And they do it respectfully and they do it believably and they don't ham it up and they, they treat it with the utmost respect. Obviously something like rain man comes to mind or something like, um, uh, 
the the kid from Mercury Rising. He was a child actor. I don't know if you heard that Bruce Willis movie. Um, I think it was Bruce Willis. Point is, though, you watch those movies, right? And it doesn't, the character works. The character doesn't stick out as being a caricature or anything like that, right? It's it's handled with respect. Mm -hmm. The character of Moose, in my opinion, is so incredibly offensive to, to all of it. And it's weird because John Travolta's son, who passed away, I think, in the late 2000s, mm-hmm. was autistic. Mm-hmm. So it's very strange to me that he would choose the most stereotypical and stereotype type things to lean into and then do odd things on top of it for something that he was that close to. Okay, It seems very strange to me. Um, so this is where I, like I said, I'm going to lean on... You said you're going to lean on me, and the reason Mike says he's going to lean on me for for Obviously. opinions in yeah. this movie is because my son is autistic, so I have a lot of experience not only with my son but with all of his buddies uh, in you know his in his uh, ABA therapy program mm-hmm. and also his his schooling and stuff like that. And the reason I said I might lean on some other people is for this for this particular performance. I I immediately turned to I wanted to know what the autism community at large thought about this sure. performance and there's a lot of really positive reviews from people with ASD about this performance. Really? Mhm. I find that I find that shocking <laughs> because I also thought that like his performance well, is so up and down. It's like there's not just one. It's like he goes from being here on the spectrum to being here on the spectrum to then here on like but nothing seems But that's autism, dude. Like No, I get <laughs> like, that. I get like that. My, like my wife and I there'll be there'll be days where like where my son is like here and then there are days where he's here and you're just like holy shit this is unpredictable like you just you never know what you're gonna get sometimes you know what i mean yeah and you said earlier you said so what were the performance so rain man uh 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 dustin hoffman and rain man and then the kid from mercury rising i don't know what i've never seen that movie so i don't know exactly what you're talking about from what i from what i remember it was very but like uh like for me one of my one of my personal favorite shows that i've seen where there was an autistic lead and i thought that it was done with a lot of respect was uh um the show atypical okay where uh keir gilchrist like from uh it follows. He was in It Follows. Yep, He's the kid yep. from It Follows and Dark Summer and stuff like that. Um, I thought he did an amazing job. And you turn to the aut- autism community, and they also think he did an amazing job. Um, and there's some people who think, you know, there's there's always going to be, there's always going to be, just like just like in the neurotypical community, there's always going to be differing differing opinions. So there's probably some people who thought that John Travolta did a a crap job with I, this. I personally thought that his entire <laughs> performance was cringe, like just straight but, cringy. But what I what I saw was a lot of reviews of people saying I have autism and I actually appreciated his performance because he was like um, like stimming. He was stimming a lot, mm-hmm. which is if you don't know what stimming is, uh, it's like like repetitive behaviors that people on the autism spectrum will do to kind of um 
like to to uh, kind of I don't know what's the best way to put it? almost like center themselves sure, like sure. like uh, like some people flap their arms some people rock back and forth which is what his which character does, does yep. in the in the sh- in the mo- in the movie like my son personally he carries silly putty everywhere he goes everywhere my son goes he always has silly putty in his hand and well, he and he's it's silly and he stretches and it putty. he stretches it and he does this little like he does this thing with it that nobody else can do it's like the people that are really good at making pretzels big soft pretzels and they can like <laughs> they can whip it up in the air and it's like perfect yeah you've seen him do it <laughs> right like it, yeah. i've tried to do it it's fucking hard like and and ever like all of his teachers and all of his uh tutors at aba and stuff they're like how the how does he do that nobody can do it and so like so what I was saying about uh, you mentioning the performance of like Anthony Hop, uh, Anthony Hopkins, or that's not Anthony Hopkins, Dustin, Dustin Hoffman, Hoffman yeah, yeah. in Rain Man. Um, the only difference really is the material. Well, it's because not only, it, because I like John John Travolta. First of all, there's just something about John Travolta to me that's always been kind of corny. Well, sure. And like, and there's, and then like the fact that he's uh, a complete crazy Scientologist weirdo, like, has always been very off-putting to me. Yeah. But as far as this performance goes, I really don't, I really don't see anything that was like so over the top that it was offensive. Because I- they're not really suggesting, they're not really suggesting in this movie. Like he's he never. He's not really an, an antagonist. He is though. He that, is. So he isn't. Of, he isn't. He isn't. Like he's. 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 His. His. Uh. His intentions are. His intentions are pure, but he doesn't really. He doesn't really understand why what he's doing is mm-hmm. is wrong. Sure. Right? Sure. That being that being said, though, I feel like the movie makes it. What, like, like the, especially the ending we're gonna jump around a bunch here but like, sure, yeah. uh, uh obviously you know spoilers um there i don't think there every character in this movie is both an antagonist and a protagonist sure yeah that nobody really fits anything like a lot of the um because i too wanted to see what a lot of other people said about this movie um mm-hmm. and critically at least uh, the the sentiment among critics was a lot of what I thought about it just being cringy, and maybe mm-hmm. that's maybe there's a certain amount of 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 guilt involved in that because like you know like like socially, you know like you're not supposed to do that like you're not like it's like it's but, like mocking almost right but, but I, why no no no, no. I like get, like I, people are always talking about representation in film and stuff like that if if you're talking about representation of the autism community like. They stem. No, 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 they no, stem, what I'm saying, and they like they they do things that other people may perceive as uh, as what. That's not what I'm getting at. Oh, okay. No, what I'm getting at is like like socially, you're not going to go somewhere. You're not going to go uh, like at least in now this day and age. Like I don't say the word retard. Right. Like I don't say it anymore because right. I think it's a, I hate that word. So oh, me too. It, it's dude. a gross word. Yeah. Whatever. Right. But then, but then, even even to be like, like I'm not gonna go up. To, I'm not gonna go up to somebody. Oh, you fucking stupid! Like, I, I I'm not gonna do that. Like the way that people might have done ten years ago. I feel like right. socially now, you don't do that, mm-hmm. right? 
And I think from the outside looking in, not especially not having the grasp on it the way that you do or other people part of the community, mm-hmm. you see his performance almost like he's just doing that mockery that people would do to make fun of it. It comes off that way. I think that if you're not if you're not around it enough to deconstruct it enough to understand it. It can come off that well, way. Well, if you're not around if you're not around it to deconstruct it to understand it, you might not even understand the fact that what he's portraying is probably somebody on the autism but spectrum. But that's what I'm saying though. But that's what I'm saying. From the outside looking in, you see it just on like this the surface level that looks offensive. Right. Not understanding that maybe it's not what you think it is. But maybe that starts a conversation. Sure. But you know critically, what I mean? but critically, I feel like that's how every single critic looked at this movie. Kind of again, how I did. And another thing that across the board a lot of people were saying was like, is that this movie just hates everyone. Like it hates <laughs> celebrities. It hates people with handicaps or deficiencies. It hates it hates paparazzi. It hates like it just hates everyone. Is <laughs> pretty much what the consensus was, and I can't I can't say that I completely disagree with it because there's no clear winners in this movie at all. No, like at all, especially. No, I, it's it's really like it's uh, okay. Let me just so we've been talking about John Travolta's performance yeah, yeah. this whole time. To be completely honest with you, John Travolta's performance, even though it's even though it's hard sometimes for me to get past the idea that this like this well-established actor who's been around for years and years and years is taking on this really out of character role for himself. Mm-hmm. But, but he said that he connected with this character like that. But not necessarily. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna necessarily say that he was doing it in a disrespectful way because honestly like if the autism community can look at him and say he's actually do he's actually like pretty accurately portraying how some people on the spectrum are sure right sure because it's a spectrum there's there's all different types of people on the autism spectrum aside from his performance getting away from that entirely this movie is garbage. Yeah, well, of course it is. The movie sucks. It sucks so much. Like, it's just the story sucks. The the logic sucks. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I like Devin like, Sawa. Like Devin Sawa was okay in it. Like he was he was fine. Yeah. I, the decisions that his character made based on the writing and the direction were befuddling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you you feel a little bad for him at first. But then you realize this guy's this guy's an even bigger piece of shit than all the other characters in the right. movie. Um, let's let's break it down a little bit for people that haven't sure. seen it. You have uh, John Travolta, obviously, who plays Moose. Devin Sawa plays Hunter Dunbar, action movie extraordinaire actor. Um, Hunter Dunbar. Hunter Dunbar. Uh, you have Anna Golia, who plays Leah. Leah is Moose's best friend. And what I did love about their dynamic and their relationship is that she never once treated him like less of a person. Well, and that's my, my, what I'm saying though, is that there are a lot of people that still do. They they still look at people who have have anything that isn't like them. And they look at him as less than right. Yeah. I like the fact that she didn't treat him with kid gloves. She didn't treat him as anything less than a human being, right? right? I, I actually really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, I think even even down to them not drawing attention 
by spelling out what his condition was mm-hmm. is kind of on that same vein of just this is a guy that exists. Done. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all you need to know. Right. 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 Um, and I, I will applaud the movie for that, for treating the character like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have uh, Jacob Grodnick who plays Todd. Fucking Todd. <laughs> Todd. Jesus Christ. Todd the God. <laughs> Todd was awful. This street magic- magician that I don't think he's a magician. I think he just puts nails through his nose. He was fu- Well, he <laughs> sa- he says that he, it was a uh, fake. He's high on fake, rocks. <laughs> it was, you know, he said it was fake blood and a little bit of movie magic. I don't know that it was. He said that. I know that. I know. I know that he said that. I'm not convinced that it actually was though, because he's on drugs the entire time. Well, sure. I think he's just high on rocks and he's shoving a nail through his nose. <laughs> I think he was. I think he was uh, secretly because they framed him in a TV the first time you saw him. So that means. <laughs> I think he was Mark Zuckerberg on steroids. That's <laughs> exactly. What Did he like. not look like yes. Mark Zuckerberg? Yes. That fucking terrible haircut. Uh, you have Slim, who is Todd's. Uh, friend played by james paxton son of bill paxton oh really yes sir that's okay so that's cool that your dad's bill paxton r.i.p uh say not cool well no it's just it's just cool that (laughs) it's just cool that his dad is bill paxton but i'm gonna i'm gonna say uh just just as a character it's hard to take a guy seriously when he's trying to act tough when he's literally like 110 pounds (laughs) like you don't you don't yeah, look intimidating, I agree. dude. I agree. Well, but that but that's why they pick on Moose, right? Because he's because he's an easy target, exactly. And that's a, like that made that made me feel for Moose a lot. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? Because especially like talking? this is one of this is one of my biggest nightmares is uh, we do we we live in a society that is is starting to open itself up to people. Uh, people who are uh um different yeah like um neurodivergent if you will like people who people who aren't necessarily exactly like everybody mm-hmm. else like but i still there's a part of me who i i was bullied in high school well mostly junior high high school was high school was better i was bullied in junior high but I, like there's a part of me i'm so like freaked out about the idea of bullying with my oh, son sure sure because I will, f- I will kill people. You know, Dude, we're horror fans. Every one of us were bullied at one point in time, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but luckily, luckily, like they have the the uh, the kids in in my son's class mixing it up with the neurotypical kids, becoming friends. Like my huh? my son actually has like a group of friends that he's with. Like he eats he eats lunch with a group of fourth fourth grade girls every day and they Damn. they love him well, dude, like they dude, love him dude. so much he's going to clean up well he is going to clean he's going <laughs> to sling that silly putty around him and just rope him in <laughs> come and get some of this putty girl <laughs> but so so that that makes me feel better about it but like i can't even imagine when we were younger cuz i'll i'll freely admit when i was when i was younger like the school that I went to made no effort to make the kids who were in like the special education classes. Oh no, they were like separate. They yeah they they made no effort to integrate them. Yeah, in with us at all. I don't. And I don't, we weren't we weren't mean to mean to them. No, we weren't mean, but like we also didn't know I, them very well because a lot the of school people, made no effort, and now the schools are making an effort. Yeah, you weren't mean to them, but you still looked at them funny in the hall because you weren't used to really seeing them. They we were did, part of that other class. We didn't they know. Were, yeah, we didn't know anything about them. I don't want to. I don't want to say it like this, but it's kind of true. Like the the school that I went to, 
they almost they treated like the the special ed classes almost like they were like lepers like 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 keep them separated don't go don't don't, don't mix them mingle them right, like which is terrible it, it is terrible like like why like there's 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 so there's so much that both can offer each other mm-hmm. and this like I, I i i almost get emotional talking about like the um the peer to peer program that they do with my son's school sure and like hearing hearing what it's like for like he's got little buddies now who specifically request to be with him on a daily basis and like hang out with him and stuff like that's fucking awesome sure. dude absolutely dude. it's beautiful um, um not to not to break up your, your no it's your cool stay here but sure <laughs> all right <laughs> no it's cool um which brings me though to one of my favorite characters in the movie yeah uh the security guard he doesn't even have a name he's just the security guard <laughs> yeah. played by jeff chase and he's the one that tells like, in fairness he's actually the, the protagonist to moose being <laughs> being how he is but like he's like you got to stand up for yourself you got to do this and that like i like how everybody treats him in the movie outside of the assholes obviously yeah. um but yeah, that that's your cast. But the problem is, p- the people with good intentions are slightly ill advised. You know, well, sure. Like his best friend Leah. They don't realize how they're going to take what they're saying. Well, it's like I mean, yeah, how you, Moose specifically yeah. was going to take what they were saying. Exactly. Yeah. Like you know, you got to stand up for yourself. You got to fight back. Well, you got to explain a little more. You know, don't go out and. Don't go out and maybe try and choke, even though fucking Todd the God kind of deserved to be choked out. Oh, he out. absolutely did. You but, uh, but yeah, like with Leah telling him about the star maps thing. And the thing is that, like I said, he went overboard with what he was doing. He never really became, like, even when it got to the point where he had Hunter Dunbar, like, tied up to his bed, uh-huh. he never had any intention of hurting him. You know what I mean? I never got the sense that he ever wanted to hurt him. No. He just wanted to try and make him understand where he was coming from. No. Which was totally inappropriate the way he did it, obviously. Well, yeah. So he so so he he breaks basically. He he wants to get an autograph from Dunbar. Dunbar gets pulled away from his ex-wife. Um <laughs> and 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 Moose basically finds out where he lives and starts stalking him at his house. Mm-hmm. Now he hates being called a stalker because to him he's just being a fan. He just wants to get close to him. It's this guy that he idolizes. Dunbar uh, Devin Sawa is is just a piece of shit. He's a jaded, kind of shitty action star that his home life kind of sucks. It seems like between the divorce with his wife, getting to know his kid, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. He's making out with his maid all the time, uh, which I'll get back to the maid. Um, <clears throat> they forgot about her. I'm convinced, and just tacked her onto the end of the movie. Absolutely, they um, did. <laughs> but it does play into the ending that doesn't make any sense. But we'll get there. Yeah. Um. So he's he's got kind of a shitty life. So I. In, in in a weird way, I can understand his character a little bit, but the choices that he makes by the end, especially at the climax, I was mm. like, oh my God, like yeah. this went from zero to a thousand really quick. Well, it was weird. Like the whole, like they did the thing where they were doing the visualization at the end. Mm-hmm. So you, you almost weren't sure until, until kind of the very end, you're almost like, where did the visualization stop, you know? Yeah. Because it it, it kind of had like a dreamy quality to it. And then there was a point where it got violent. But even even still the violence, you're like, is this really going on? Because, because you have this action star who's doing this visualization. And, and it's almost like is the, the beginning where it was like really dreamy. 
the, that the was, actual that effect was, on the film. Yeah, that yeah. was kind of Moose's visualization. Oh yeah. And and then and then the violence starts and you're almost like now is this Hunter's visualization? Oh, see, the way that I took that is that like the 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 weird effect they put on on the film mm-hmm. um was Moose's well, that, that's how Moose felt. That was almost like a feeling. Oh, sure, yeah. But then as the second that Dunbar was like stopped feeding into that fantasy mm-hmm. it was like a slingshot and reality just like slung back but because they got and shit got real but the reality seemed so blown out of proportion you know what i mean oh, well, of course it did like like he, he shoots he, his like hand he, off yeah like he shoots <laughs> his hand off and he su- suddenly pulls a giant like a fucking giant bowie knife out of somewhere and he stabs him apparently he didn't stab down far enough to get beyond just his eye like he just like bink, <laughs> like like well, that's what, like... It didn't really make a whole lot of sense. But he didn't stab him in the eye. Yes, he did. Well, he shot here. Yeah. And he shot well, he, here. Well, he, 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 he busted his eardrums. He busted his eardrums, yeah. I just assumed that, like, maybe a little bit of, like, some of the... If it was, like, bird shot or something, it hit him. No, he stabbed him straight in the eye. No, he did Yes, he did. No, he stabs him, like, down here. No. And the blood spurts up into no. his eye. No, no, His eye literally starts volcanoing blood out of it. I, see, I thought no, dude. It's it's. This is not a thing from last week because <laughs> I watched no, it I know. twice. Because I was like, did he just fucking stab him in the face? And then I realized it was right in the eye. That's why Moose's eye is all fucked up at the very see, end. See, it looked like the blood the, splurted up from his chest. No, because at the end of the his, movie, they talk about how Moose lost I his lost eye. Lost his eye. Yeah, yeah he gets stabbed in the eye. Oh, I just thought that was like a a, a result from the two gunshots no, to either no, side of his like, head. Like like who stabs like that though? Just to go. <laughs> Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stab you all the way. I just want to take your eye out. Like, but then fucking weird. But then the end is like, what? Like, <laughs> Moose just gets away. He broke into this dude's house, tied him up, threatened threatened even if he wasn't going to threatened to kill the man. He was kind of he, playing out scenarios from horror movies. Yeah, he and in his mind he was just kind of like it was kind of a goof. He accidentally killed the maid in the middle of the movie by sneaking around the yard she comes out to like shoo him away and he scares her and she falls back hits her head on the bird feeder right right or the bird bath and and she dies Mm -hmm. right so she's just out there two or three days passed and then finally at the very (laughs) end of the movie it's like oh shit the maid's still dead yeah it's like they write her in right and the weird thing is is that like after all this happens dunbar lets him get up and leave yeah and the cops come to the house because somebody called the cops probably because they heard gunshots and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And no, they they came to the house because the gardener was with them. Oh, that's right. The gardener found the maid. Right. Yeah. So the gardener found the maid, called the cops. They came, and and the thing is, like Dunbar just goes down for it all, and Moose just walks away. He doesn't try to explain anything. And then you have the, by the way, the voiceovers from Leah throughout the entire movie. The dumbest fucking thing in the entire world. Like, just awful. Yeah. The voiceovers were I the liked, worst. I liked the weird animations, though. Like, the drawings. But even those they were, like... They didn't fit in the movie, but I liked them. They did. They fa- they did fit in the movie. They 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 usually they usually were a drawing of the scene to come. Yeah. But th- even those were, like... Like, in the first 45 minutes of the movie, it only happened once. And then in the last third of the movie, it happened, like, three or four times. Yeah. It was, it was like, very, it was very it was like, pick, like, yeah. like picking, like, if you're going to do something, be consistent about it. I don't know. I just, 
It was a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it just it just it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I thought at the end too, like it it gave it justified even okay, so even a person with with autism spectrum whatever whatever thing is going on with mm-hmm. any person, right? There's no justification for doing what they're doing. I, I know that it's understandable in a way to where they don't understand what's happening maybe right like they don't understand why what they're doing is wrong because they are perceiving it differently or whatever which even that even that is touchy because like like the idea of uh you know just like general comprehension skills yeah again autism is a spectrum so there's there's people who are on the spectrum who they're their idea of comprehension uh their comprehension of like social situations and you know discerning between right and wrong is yeah. is completely uh, completely in line with what everybody else thinks it, i guess it was just more of a suggestion that like he, maybe he didn't it's, well, the, the, it's, what, it's, they, it's, what they give at the end of the movie it's almost like it's okay that he did it because he's special needs is is how they is is how they play it and I and I didn't agree with that. Well, it was more like yeah, it was more that like, I did not. It agree was more with. like Leo was just like yeah, like, she knew, did, she knew that what he did was like way out of line, but she was just going to she was just going to kind of go along with it. And well, she's helping her friend too. Like like she's right. she's doing her best because because she plays the role of understanding the reality of the situation as well as being a friend. To Even him. though she's the person who sort of yeah, set the yeah, whole thing she, in motion really by did. showing him that there was an app where you could find the houses of stars, you know, she really did. I just, I don't know. Like I said, I, I did not like the ending. I thought the ending was just lazy first off and it just didn't make sense. Why would Dunbar go down for all that stuff? Right. Like at first I was like, well, maybe he's just being quiet when the cops get there. Cause he wants to lawyer up and blah, blah, blah. Sure, right? yeah. But then it tells, tells that moose just gets away with it and he becomes a pirate he he has he's missing a hand and, a, and an eye so now he's a pirate on the hollywood walk of fame making money and that he's way. yeah he wears like, it as a badge of honor and so it's like but it's like he just gets away with it like, like yeah because like because hunter dunbar even if he went to jail like he would he would be able to explain like hey exactly. i didn't i didn't kill her there's probably some evidence, you know, like the the letter is still probably laying out by her body from from uh, yeah from Moose, um, and obviously I'm injured because somebody broke into my house and he told me his name. So go find a guy locally named Moose. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there was there's enough stuff to her. And oh, and by the way, when you find this guy named Moose, his right hand will be gone and his right eye will be gone. Exactly. Like. Like there's, it just doesn't make sense that he would just go down with it. Right. Like, like that's that's dumb. yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But hey, it took them twelve years to get this script written. Hey, um, hey, man. I do find it funny. Little pieces of trivia here before I move on. I did find it funny that Devin Sawa played Stan, the obsessed fan, in the Eminem video back yeah. in the day. Yeah, it's a total role reversal, which oh. I thought was very funny. <laughs> uh, and also, I'll give Fred Durst this. Uh, Fred Durst is obviously a horror movie fan because the character of Moose in his apartment, there's a lot of references to the movie Maniac, which was another movie that was about obsessive, you know, whatnots. Like he's just a lot of, uh, it, yeah. a lot of uh, mannequins in there. A lot of, uh, I don't know, like, like, like just 
it's homages to him. Like it feel it feels similar. And I thought the mannequins when I was watching, I thought the mannequins were weird. I'm like, why does he have mannequins in this room? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. And then I was reading some trivia about it. It's like it's kind of Fred Durst ode to the movie Maniac. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Did you notice? I'll, I'll say this one thing because I forgot to bring it up. But did you notice that when uh, when Leah shows him the the movie? I saw some of the names that were on there, yeah. The, you, you saw the names? Yeah, one was Tyler Durden, I think, right? One was Tyler Durden. One was Robert Paulson from Fight Club, yep. but it was spelled wrong. Okay. <laughs> one was Evan Jealous, which is... Was it uh, spelled with a Z? No, it was po- like Paulson, like P-U-L. Paulson. Paulson. Um, one was Evan Jealous, which is Fred, uh, Fred Durst's character from Sorry Haters. Okay. And one was Jack Torrance, and the and the address was seven one seven one eight Overlook Avenue. <laughs> I'm like, Dude. come on, Fred. Yeah, a little on the nose there. So on the nose. Um. Okay. So that was. So that was the. Uh, what was it called? That was fanatic. The, the fanatic. Yeah. What, what? So shit movie, but not for the reasons that everybody wants to give it shit in your eyes. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said. Because most people focus highly on the character, and you said that you didn't actually find that to be the worst part of it. Well, like I said, I want, I, I personally, I wanted to, like, when it comes to something like this, defer to the people who would know the most about it. And the people who know the most about the autism community is that's the autism community. Yeah. So why not see what they have to say about it? And, from what I've seen, there there was a lot of positive reviews from the autism community saying we actually appreciate the way the character was portrayed because you know aside from like <laughs> you know not every not every person in the autism community is gonna go out and tie somebody up to their bed liar but as far as <laughs> as far as how he acts uh, just on a day to day basis. With like the stimming and the perseveration, which perseveration is like uh, focusing on one topic and just like fucking talking about yeah, it yeah, a yeah. lot. Which you know, like if you talk to my son, he'll talk about trains sure. all day long with sure. you. That's called perseveration. Sure, and it's very common in the autism community. Ooh, and so, be- as far as that kind of stuff goes, uh, in the portrayal of a character with ASD, the autism community seems to feel like it was a pretty accurate representation. And to me, my opinion of the of the character is, uh, I, I like I said, I'll take a I'll take a cue from the people who know it sure. the best. Sure, I get that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Uh, so moving on though to Misery from what is it, nineteen eighty or ninety? Did we ever look this up? No, I didn't. Ah, shit. I, uh... Look it up. Look it up. Uh, directed by Rob Reiner, who also did another uh, little well known, little known. Uh, Stephen King adaptation called Stand By Me. You heard it? I've uh, I've never heard of Stand By Me. Yeah. I've heard of Stand, Stand By Me, though. Oh, okay. Stand when By Me. you're not strong. That, that how it goes? Stand By Me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also did The Princess Bride, one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, Spinal Tap. So he's got a little bit of a, uh, he's got a resume. Uh, after a famous author is rescued from a car crash by a fan of his novels, he comes to realize that he is in... Uh, that bleh, that he comes to realize that the care he is receiving is only the beginning of a nightmare of captivity and abuse. Um, this is a movie that I have long heard about, never saw until today mm-hmm. when I watched it. Mm-hmm. Fuck, this movie's good. Mm. Incredible. Yeah. 
uh, it's one of those, and it's one of those movies I love where everything pretty much takes place in one room yeah. or at least one location. Yeah. Um, I love those kind of like those, those very small, to very the chagrin of the, of the, of the crew, apparently. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, they, they said, uh, I was reading a thing earlier that they said when, when, uh, Paul finally makes his way out into the rest of the house, the whole crew is like, Oh fuck dude. Yes. <laughs> we get to move more Freedom. than four feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this movie is starring... I didn't know James Caan was in this movie. Dude. They said that's how little I knew about it. Yeah. Um, James Caan, who plays Paul Sheldon, who is the author in question. Uh, the debuting Kathy Bates in this movie uh, won an Oscar for this role. <laughs> her debut role. I'm pretty sure this was her first movie, at least. I know so that she was she, trained in theater. Well, she was a... She was a... Yeah. A, um, a thespian. <laughs> she was a theater theater actress before mm-hmm. this. And I think this was her first, like her first big film role. Well, they cast her as an unknown because they wanted that. They did not want a recognizable face because it would take you out of it, right? right? Uh, which was smart. Uh, playing the the legendary Annie Wilkes. Um, let's see here. You have uh, Richard Farmsworth plays Buster, uh, the best sheriff I think I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Hands down, he's not bumbling. He's not an idiot. He actually solves the the case. His arc is really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like he's maybe the best sheriff I've ever seen. In <laughs> and then movie. and then his back and forth with his wife is just like oh, precious the entire time. I love it. Precious, but he was very unfair to his wife. Why? Very unfair. Why? Because she mentions to him at one point in time. She's like, uh, she says, what she say? What does he say? He says something like. Uh, that's the kind of that's the kind of spice that's missing in our relationship. Or something. no, no, no. Like, he doesn't say he... missing. He says that's the kind of spice that keeps our relationship interesting. But he was, but he was very sarcastic about it because she was mouthing off to him. Well, that's just how. No, you... no, no, no. No, he was very sarcastic about it. But but then she's in the car touching his leg, trying to get frisky, and he bats her off. No, you're you're <laughs> mixing this up. He this the whole spice thing comes after that scene. I know. She goes. I'm just saying. She touches his leg with her in the car, and he says he's because what was her name? Uh, Virginia. You don't, you don't know goes, they're married. He at goes. That point. He well, yeah, you do. You, no, that's when you find out. Oh well, in the car, yeah. He says he yeah. says Virginia, when you're in this car, you're not my wife. You're my deputy. You know, I kind of like that. It's just, it's business time. You know what I mean? No, I just, I thought it was funny. It, it wasn't him being a dick. I just think it's funny. It's like, no, the wife can't win. She tries to get frisky. He brushes her off. She, she'd be sarcastic too. He calls her out for it. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I love those two together. Yeah, they're great. great. Um, let's see here. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, Virginia, we said Francis Sternhagen. Um, uh, Lauren Bacall played Marcia, Sin- Marcia Sindel. It's a pretty small role, but mm-hmm. Laura, Lauren Bacall is a, a pretty legendary actress. Um, Who did she play? Uh, Marcia Sindel. She was the uh, uh, the manager. Oh, the manager. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was uh, it, was Paul Sheldon's manager. Pub, or publicist. Pub, publicist, publicist yeah. I suppose. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this movie, uh, very simple setup. He's horrendously driving in a blizzard. Also, there's that 60s Mustang again, I'm telling you. It's the second time in like a month. Don't act like you know anything about uh, cars. It's just, it's just a sexy for, car. For the second time in a month, don't act like you know anything about cars. It's just a sexy car. <laughs> Um, he's dry. He's at, uh, at a retreat that he goes to, to write a novel. Mm-hmm. He finishes it. He has his, uh, bottle of Tom. <laughs> I'm sorry. How does she say it? His... She says, uh, Dom Perignon. Don Perignon. Dom Perignon. <laughs> he has that, his, his one cigarette because he quit. I have to, I feel as though that's definitely an ode to King because he quit smoking. I don't know if he quit then though. Well, this whole, this but... whole, this whole movie is, uh, 
When you say an ODK, like this whole story is like well, basically a metaphor for his addiction, his yeah, struggle I, with addiction. I didn't mean ode to King, but that's a very like like King wrote it obviously, so that's like came from King's life. Oh yeah, like if he quit smoking and then he has his one every now and then, you know. Well, what did we we both listened to? Uh, we both listened to the because you sent it to me. You're like, you should probably listen to this. It was the episode of the King Cast uh, with Elijah Wood, and Elijah Wood picked this movie. Um, and he said, even to this day, because they were talking about him quitting smoking. Yep. He's like, even to this day, I think the story about Stephen King quitting smoking is pretty pretty funny because uh, he quit smoking years ago, quote unquote. But every every night he goes out for a nightly drive where he has like five or six cigarettes. And his family, like it's never spoken. No, they, he never says, I'm going out for a cigarette. He just goes out for a nightly drive where he has five or six <laughs> cigarettes, which is... By the way, hey Steve, that's not quitting smoking. <laughs> You're still very much a smoker. <laughs> Only for two hours a night. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like that's like me saying I quit sweets, but like from the hours of uh, nine to ten, I just fucking jam as many Snickers into my mouth as I possibly can. You know uh, what I mean? That's fine. Yeah, I'm but a, I'm off the sweets. <laughs> I'm a vegan. Yeah, except for between the hours of 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day. Um, but yeah, so he's driving home after finishing his novel, though, and as he's driving home, uh, this, this little sports car through a giant blizzard, mm-hmm. and uh, he's terrible at driving in the winter, apparently, and he goes off the side of a cliff or whatever, and a car flips over or whatever, uh, and then he gets pulled out by a mysterious person. That person you learn is Annie Wilkes. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, he's bedridden. His legs are in terrible shape, too. Fucked. His legs look fucked. fucked. Yeah. Uh, he's And he's in all this pain. Was was he being drugged? Were those actual pain pills or were they drugs to keep him? So she was giving him Novril, which is a... Which is... It's a it's a fake medicine made up for the story, but it's supposed to be like codeine, basically. Okay. Um, so it is helping, but it's also keeping him very well. They don't subdued. they don't put much of an emphasis on it in the movie, but in the book, it's he she keeps giving these to him, and he very much becomes completely addicted to yeah. them. Yep. So he becomes dependent on this novel, and it's part of it's kind of part of her plan to hold him captive. Just to keep him drugged up. Keep him drugged up. Have you read the book? Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, keep him, keep him drugged up. But whenever she feels like she needs to regain control, she'll pull back, and she won't allow him to have the novel. So, so like, there's a scene. His leash, almost. Right. Well, there's a there's a scene in the movie where like he's trying to hide some 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 of the pills in his in his pants because he wants to try and drug her. And when she comes in and she says, well, let's get you back in bed. And he says, oh, I just want, I just want my pills. Just make the pain go away, you know? And, and Oh, that makes sense now. Okay. And in the movie, he's playing that up as a, as a, as a gag kind of, right? Yeah. To try and get her out of the room so he can properly hide these pills in his pants. In the book, that's for real. Like oh, there are, it? there are several times in the book where he's just begging her for more pills okay. because he is in so much pain. Pain not only because his legs are in pain, but also because he's having severe withdrawal. Yeah, and in, in the movie, he had broken out of his his room. He figured out how to like pick the lock, mm-hmm. got out of his room, and he had to race back to his room when she had come home. So he's sweating bullets right. and everything else. So that's that makes sense though. But I like that. I like that that pull from the book though, where it's like not the same. But yeah, I, I like that. It's like a little hint of 
of it's of, like an Easter egg almost. Sure, book, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, um, I like that a lot. I also liked, and I mentioned this earlier. I liked the um, the cop, right? Yeah. In the oh, story. The, yeah. I like. I like how. I don't know how this was in the book. I don't know if the cop was the same had, had as big of a role in the book or whatever. I think that I remember hearing that his wife was not in the book. She was made up for the movie. Right. Which um, I'm glad she was because they're. Their, oh, their dynamics. Their interactions great. were great. I, well, he would have needed someone to play off of. I feel like to make his ro- to make his role more uh, effective. Well, and his role was actually cha- like far different from the book too. They, um, how did they put it? They they made him like his his uh, his kind of deductive reasoning and stuff in mm-hmm. in the movie was much more advanced than it was in the like. The way he, the way he uh, went about kind of solving the mystery. Yeah, he was like in very the, sleuthy. Like, yeah, yeah, like his character, his character in the movie is uh, is way better in the movie, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, which I, is this is this is one of like this is a perfect adaptation. I think it's I, I for Be- not having read the book, it's a perfect movie. Like it, this is a perfect thriller, yeah, like Annie, a psychological thriller. Yeah, it's incredible. Annie Wilkes is one of the most terrifying characters I think I've ever seen in my life. And I, Amazing. I, I finally understand what you're talking about because you've said that before too. Yeah, she's terrifying. Yeah, she's psychotic, <laughs> like absolutely fucking mental basket case. Well, and it's crazy, like how Kathy Kathy Bates is amazing, incredible, just amazing. Especially like, the it, last twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah. Like, well, like for how physical that role got to but like, everything like, but like to start like when when she first when paul first wakes up in her house she's so likable yeah oh yeah she's so sweet like she's just so caring she's you know like on top of like oh as soon as the as soon as the phone lines are back up i'm gonna call your manager i'm yeah. gonna call your daughter make sure everybody knows that you're okay and you know blah 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 and like and and you just like you kind of you it kind of feels quaint at first. Yeah, you know my, what I mean. One of my first notes is, for as creepy as she is, she comes off as sweet. Yeah, like a sweet person from yeah. the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. She's just like, I'm a nurse. I'm going to take yeah. care of you. Don't you don't worry. Of, she, don't worry she a thing. Wasn't lying. She technically was was a nurse. <laughs> right. And then like the first, killer. what's the <laughs> what's the very first? Oh, it's um, she reads. So the manuscript that he was working on, uh that he had on him when he got in a car accident was for a new book and yeah. it wasn't for so he's finally uh, writing something other than the misery books. so we should mention yeah like he's he's famous for uh writing this series of novels about this character misery chastain um and he's he kind of wants to get away from it and he's he's put out what he thinks is the final misery book and now he's working on a manuscript for this new, you know, departure from the misery novels. And she reads this book. You know, she says, like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't. And she's still being really sweet. I couldn't help but notice that you had this in your bag. And, and you know, do you think I could read it? And he says, you know, well, you know, like, I'm, I only let certain people read my manuscripts, my, my publicist, my editor. And then he says, and people who saved me from freezing to death in a car wreck. And she's like so elated. Yeah. And, like and he buys into it at first. Right. And yeah. she she reads it and she comes back and she's talking about the profanity. Like, oh, just there's there's a sudden shift in her attitude. Like, mm-hmm. I don't the profanity is blah 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 blah. And she spills like some tomato soup on the bed and she Well, she goes crazy though. Flips yeah. out. You see what you made me do? Blah blah blah. 
And his reaction the, is like priceless the too. The oh shit moment. Like that's the like if there if there ever was an oh shit moment in in any movie that you would point to like if somebody didn't know what an oh shit moment was, yeah. I would point to that scene. Yeah. Cuz there's she, a couple of those in the movie. She flips out, but that very first one is cuz up to this point he's been just so thankful for her taking care of him, thinking that she has the best intentions, and then she flips out and he just this look on his face where he's just like, what the fuck oh, just happened? Oh, no. And she walks out of the room, <laughs> and his face is just like, this is bad. This is really, really bad. And it's it's and it's and it's it's so awesome. Like, James Caan, uh, I mean, Kathy Bates obviously absolutely killed it as Annie Wilkes, but James Caan really, for somebody who lays in a bed the entire time, yeah. man, he just killed this role. Oh, yeah. In every conceivable way, and uh, did you did like, you read by chance who was uh, also supposed to? Play oh, there's that a role? laundry list yeah. of other actors who were offered this role, and they all turned it down because they all thought that they all thought that the character of Paul Sheldon was too passive. Yeah, like he was too overshadowed by Annie Wilkes, and obviously she is the big character in the movie, but like. What James Caan was able to do with a character who largely stays in one place for the entire movie, mm-hmm. amazing. Yep. And also, like, kudos to him for not having that attitude, too. Like, that fucking attitude of, oh, well, I don't want to play somebody who's overshadowed by somebody. Fuck you. Well, the like, thing is, the thing is, too, like, he played, even though he was the star of the movie, he absolutely played second fiddle to a complete unknown. Yeah. Which is crazy. I think that's one of the reasons that the movie works so well. Yeah. Kathy Bates is 100% the star of this movie. Totally. Yeah. And she, her Oscar is so well deserved because she's so fucking terrifying. I don't know. Did we mention that already? What's that? Did you mention the fact that she won? Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Like the, she was the first horror. Uh, like the first, first horror thing to win since Jekyll and Hyde. First female in horror. And first female. First I think, in female general. in horror to ever win an yep. Academy Award. Like and Jodie Foster was was nominated for Silence of the Lambs, I believe. But yeah, Kathy Bates actually won it. Right. Crazy. So like absolutely one, crazy. one of the only in and, and for her first big role in a movie. Like how. How incredible would that be? Sure. That's like one you, way to start. You come career. up from stage, <laughs> from mostly stage acting, and then your first role you win an Oscar for? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I I, I, was, I I made this note down when I was watching it. It goes, I'm choosing to believe that after after this movie, he, uh, he got out of the author business, right? He wrote one novel. He got out of the author business because his whole thing scarred him. And uh, he became a book producer, and he changed his name because he keeps seeing Annie Wilkes everywhere. So he changed his name, and he became the book producer Walter from Elf. Boom! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> that took me a second to figure. Out. <laughs> book pr- well, pub- like a, a publisher, yeah, yeah. publisher. <laughs> uh, Dude, that is my that's my theory. Well, hold on, the, the it's the same actor, so the timeline would actually work. So he he got out of the he he stopped being an author. He got into the publishing business. Yep, the he publishing write, he side. He couldn't write anymore. He was scarred. He couldn't, and 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 because he was so scarred by what happened to him, he decided to get in. Because in the movie Elf, he's a children's book publisher. Mm-hmm. So he got into children's books because he just couldn't handle the serious side of of literature anymore. Wow. 
Yep. Dude, you fucking nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. What's his <laughs> <laughs> What's his name in Elf? Uh, Walter or something. <laughs> I was actually looking at the names. I'm like, I wonder if it's an anagram. How amazing would that Dude, be? That'd be so cool. <laughs> it's not, but shit. Uh, um, anyway, sure. though. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, so she... Um, Annie Wilkes, she comes in and she she burns his manuscript for his new book. And she's mm-hmm. like, uh-uh, <laughs> you're writing a new misery. And then she reads, she gets his new book. The new misery book had just come out. So she picks it up and she's in the middle of reading it. And she comes out furious mm. because he killed the character of, misery, fucking, of misery. That that scene, because she's reading the book and she keeps coming into the room and just being, oh, it's so romantic. And oh, I'm, I'm 300 pages in and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, it's amazing. And then that one scene where she comes in and she just goes, you dirty birdie. Like, <laughs> you killed her. So I, I wish this was an original thought. Mm-hmm. It's not, unfortunately, Elijah Wood, I think, brought it up in the in the podcast. Well, most of your thoughts aren't original. Well, so. you know, in this case, I can actually point to why. Yeah. But he brought this up and he's absolutely correct. Her unwillingness to curse in yeah. the movie is fucking unnerving. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Yeah. And it, it, it creates this dynamic of how insane she actually is. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like, and it's so effective. And it's like, well, it's, it's just so weird to well, watch. Because like, spoiler alert, you find out later in the movie or the novel, whatever you're, however you're taking this story in, that she's a fucking serial killer. Yeah. Who has killed uh, countless elderly people and countless infants, mm-hmm. and or coworkers or whatever, and Can- and so she's got this like dark, evil, like heart, who's willing to take the lives of innocent people, but won't curse. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> you know, the juxtaposition is just so bizarre. He never got out of the cocky duty car. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just so fucked up, man. Oh, it's 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 so but weird. But then at the end when she's when she's, she's flipping when out. When she's flipping out and she's strangling Paul and she finally breaks and she's just like, "Yeah, you fucking cocksucker." Like she finally like breaks and the mask comes off yep, and yep. and you see dude that fuck that it's the, that's like the that's the mental break. I feel like her cursing. Well, the mental, was like the last straw though <laughs> of her mental break. Well, the mental break it's and I guess that's true. Like that's it's it's so disturbing how throughout the entire movie uh She's obviously completely demented. Sure. But um but she's calm. Yeah. You know, she seems to be like in control. Like even like like let's talk about the hobbling scene because everybody oh, knows, everybody knows about the hobbling okay. scene, right? I, like how can she like she's so she's so calm. So she's so calm <laughs> in that scene. Yeah. She's absolutely furious it's, because it's, she knows that he's been out it's of the sexual. The the scene is played sexually. Well, at like the, her reaction to hobbling him, which which by the way, I had always heard of the hobbling, right? Yeah. I knew it was connected to the movie, never knew what it was. Yeah. They they again, and yes, James, I'm going to I'm going to concede to you you're right. Listening to these podcasts before watching the movies or yeah, whatever is a stop. mistake. You need to stop. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because they do mention that like, and I was expecting it because I had listened to it. Well, no, I listened to this afterwards, so I wasn't expecting it. But like, the point is, 
Oh, sorry. Oh, uh, sorry, I got Christine, volume going here. Christine's going. Um, <laughs> the fact that you see his left ankle actually move inward on that first. Th- oh my god! Like I watch a lot of those um, those morons doing moronic things videos on uh, on Instagram. Yeah, and it's a lot of skateboarders landing oh, and their sure, yeah. legs breaking or whatever. Yeah. For some reason, to see it happen in real life, I can laugh at it. Yet seeing it in the context of a, of a movie like this, yeah. even though I know it's fake, it's so much more effective. And what a like what a fantastic uh, special effect too. Oh yeah, like a like a practical special effect. It looks so uh, disgusting. Yeah. And I was reading about how they did. Did you see how they did it? No, I didn't. So the the legs were um, molded out of like a gelatin. Okay. And then in like they ran uh like uh, like wiring okay into the gelatin so that so so the the gelatin would move in like a really like kind of gelatinous disgusting way but then but then the wire once it was hit with the um with the sledgehammer once it bent it would stay you know mm. so you'd get that you'd get that weird like fatty movement of the the gelatin but also once it was hit inward it didn't like bounce it would back just or it would just stay at that like awkward angle oh, God. <laughs> so so when she hits it with the sledgehammer and if you don't know like go, uh, ho- just hope, go watch it hopefully you've watched the movie by now and we're not completely spoiling everything for you but like she essentially she finds out that he's don't been, be like me right <laughs> she finds out that he's been moving around the house when she's gone into town and stuff like that so she she's drugs him and when he wakes up and it's even more disturbing that he wakes up from he wakes up from the anesthetic happy he's laughing you know because that's that's often how people wake up from anesthetic like you just wake up and you're loopy you know like you know so he wakes up and he's laughing i'm high as shit i'm high as shit motherfucker so he (laughs) he wakes up and he's kind of like giggling to himself and then all of a sudden he looks up at annie and her face and it's, it's like this stone this steely gaze down at him and, and he he realized oh shit something's about to go down and she explains to him like i know that you've been up around the house because the penguin in the living room always points due south and it was pointed due north you know yep and so she says do you know what they used to do in the I can't remember what the name of the uh, the the uh, diamond mines were, but like the like the Miller diamond Malay- mines, like you know the what Malaysian they used or something like that. It was some, something like that, yeah, and yeah. like you know what they used to do to people who tried to run away and steal the diamonds. Like they would do this thing called hobbling, and so she puts this. She ends up putting like a four by four oh. in between his legs, which are strapped to the bed, and then striking both of his feet inward toward the four by four uh with a sledgehammer so essentially breaking both of his legs inward after they had just finally healed up from his accident yep um and uh uh, in the book it's actually do you know what happens in the book i don't do you want me to tell you nope okay nope yeah i actually think so in the book it's much more extreme i would say okay like just descriptive or no what she actually does oh shit okay uh the hobbling that takes place in the book is a much more permanent thing i would say (laughs) 
she cut her she cut his legs off okay well i'm just gonna tell you at this point <laughs> she ends up she ends up she chops his left leg off oh jesus with an axe and then she cauterizes it with a blowtorch oh sweet jesus um i actually think that the way that they did it in the movie is more effective visually yeah visually it's sure. just so like everybody's seen somebody cut somebody else's leg off it's, in a in a horror movie it's because it comes out of nowhere because you see the you see the two by four you, you it's like, hear her say hobbling and you don't know exactly what's gonna happen well, it's like yeah it's like your brain can't comprehend until she actually does it your brain can't comprehend what's about to happen yeah you know and yeah. then you see that first <laughs> the first shin turn inward and you're just like no and james khan's fucking performance in that moment too like his oh, he's amazing his he looks like he's literally getting oh hobbled. yeah it looks like he's actually going through that. yeah oh it's and awful. then like he passes up like he passes out from shock from pain like it's just fuck it's such an intense scene dude it is the the other scene that really got me and i almost don't want to give it away completely but the old other I'll, I'll just speak in generalities here mm-hmm. the shotgun blast came out of fucking nowhere for me oh oh really nowhere like even because okay. because that wasn't ruined for me so sure that came out of nowhere i i audibly yelled when it happened <laughs> because i liked that character that character well so much put two and two together you'll sure, figure yeah, it out yeah, but yeah. like i liked that character so much yeah and and here you think finally we're we're, we're approaching the end of the movie this is how it's going to start wrapping up well because that like, part of that oh part my of god it, it, i looked at the so... timestamp, and that part of the movie happens at like 11 minutes yeah. left in the movie so you're like oh here's where he gets yeah, exactly saved. exactly <laughs> and like and then that happens i was just like no <laughs> like I was, I was like i was so angry when it happened and it's just like, oh my god! And it's so visceral, like, like, and viscousy, <laughs> like that. The shotgun wound straight from the back out the front, like, well, the it, effects, it's brutal. The effects in this movie were awesome. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, and then I gotta, I gotta talk being, talk about being brutal. The last fight scene between her and him, yeah. like, is, and this is like, this is where I, I give, uh, uh. I want to call her Annie Wilkes. That's not her name. <laughs> Kathy Bates. Uh, I, so I give Kathy Bates a lot of credit because it was visibly her doing a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff. She was not only was she so convincingly crazy, but she could do it. Like like you yeah. believe that she was on the ground fighting this man. Yeah. Because she was. Yeah. And like when he kills her at the end, her eyes are dead. Yeah. Like. The craziest dead eyes that I have ever seen an actor act Agreed. in my life. Agreed. I, oh my god. I I looked. I looked at because that that scene happens, and when the the first when the blow happens with the pig, and it's yeah. funny that it happens with well, the, the pig. The pig was so cute, right? <laughs> well, the actual pig, <laughs> Mis- misery, misery the, the pig. pig. <laughs> yeah, it was so sweet. Um, like a little dog pig. When he hits her in the face with the pig. And like this is a fake pig, by the way. He didn't f- hit her with a yeah. real pig. It was a door. It was a doorstop, and like and and her like, just for a second, it's a, it's almost like she just is, is shocked by the blow, and then all of a sudden just like falls, boom. Yeah. And when he, yeah, when he pushes her off, that's usually when even the best actor, like you can look at a in any movie, you can look at somebody who's supposed to be lying there dead with their eyes wide open like that. And you'll just see like a little like twitch of the eyes or something. Mm-hmm. No, 
Nothing. Nothing. She was dead. fucking dead. The one thing, the <laughs> one thing that I noticed, and this was ruined for me by an actual pathologist uh-huh. that does like some, like, it's like pathologist looks at horror deaths oh, or something sure, like that. Okay. Right? Um, and one of the things that he had said, he goes, the second that your body dies, mm-hmm. your mouth will hang open. So whenever I see somebody uh, who's dead in a the film, their mouth is closed. I was like, oh, it should be open. Yeah. Is that I? Yeah, no. Apparently, apparently, like, 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 your mouth will, cause your, cause your muscles relax, basically. Like your muscles are no longer holding your mouth shut. Your mouth will drop open. Yeah, but the thing is, is that by that, by that logic, every single person who dies would shit their pants. But that's not entirely most true. Most of them do. Some, most do, but not everybody does. Sure. Just depends. So, on, like, that, that just depends on how much just, you got in the chamber. That's just another muscle, though. <laughs> exactly. Like, why would? Well, especially there... how she was how she was sitting, like like she's lying flat, like your yeah. your mouth would drop open. Okay. Now, granted, that was like right the second after, so maybe the muscles sure. didn't release. Well, yet. Yeah. sure, we'll give it that. Yeah. Okay, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, we'll give fuck it. it. <laughs> we'll give it to him. Yeah, whoever that, that guy that was, whole, fuck him. That whole ending scene though was absolutely amazing. Well, and I love so good the the part like that that fuck that fight scene is brutal and yeah. the like you don't see a lot of you don't see a lot of shit like. The part where, because he had he had burned the manuscript in front of her, and so they're wrestling on the ground, and she, she gets rolled onto her back, and he says, "You want it? Fucking choke on it!" Oh and my he's, god! And yeah. he grabs the burning pile of ashy <laughs> manuscript pages and, and just like, starts fucking oh, shoving it so down good. her throat. It's so I I've, I've <laughs> never rooted for a man to beat up a woman more in my life. <laughs> It's just so intense, and that actually that that happens in the novel too. And you know, like the novel's talk, way more brutal. Though, well, right? yeah, we talked last last. I guess this was just last week about how verbose uh, Stephen King is. Yeah, you know, like imagine five pages describing yeah, the burns on her face. Imagine yeah. him describing <laughs> Paul Sheldon shoving burning pages down Annie yeah. Wilkes's throat. Like yeah. that's that's what you're gonna get. It's really, it's really, but they fucking, they, they, they did it as, 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 as good as you possibly, as good as, no, <laughs> they, they did it as, as true to the, to the book as you possibly can, sure, I think. Sure. Like, this is, like I said, it's, it's, something. I think out of all the Stephen King adaptations, this, this might be the best. It, Honestly, and there's a of f- all the ones that I've seen, it is. There's quite well, a few that I haven't seen, but like as as far as the ones that I have seen, and I'm well, I'm really interested of- to see because uh, I know after this after this movie, when they cast Kathy Bates in this in this role, Stephen King was so impressed with her in this role that when he was writing Dolores Claiborne, mm-hmm. he actually wrote the character with Kathy Bates in mind, yeah. yep. and then she ended up playing. The role of uh, Dolores Claiborne in the adaptation. A lot of so I really want to see it. A lot of King adaptations tend to be very cheesy, for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. And that's just maybe because a lot of his stories are cheesy. Like this is very difficult to do in the real well, world. Well, the stories themselves well, aren't cheesy, but it's like it's hard to translate it exactly, into film. Exactly. You know? Um. So, like in the pantheon, though, of King adaptations, yeah, this honestly, in terms of the tone of it in terms of how it looks like just everything you're right it is probably one of the best you know even and maybe it's because this is like so this was originally supposed to be a richard bachman 
novel, mm-hmm. and anybody who do- we discussed this earlier, but yeah. I don't think we actually discussed it while we were recording. Anybody who doesn't know who Richard Bachman is, that's Stephen King's pseudonym that yep. he wrote under for uh, quite a few years because essentially his publisher said you can't write more than one book per year because yeah. you're going to oversaturate the market. So he started writing under the pseudonym Richard Bachman, and this book was originally supposed to be a Richard Bachman book. But right before it was released, he got outed. Like they somebody somebody outed him. No, and, yeah, that wasn't no. That was thinner. Thinner was the one that was supposed to be a Bachman book, but he ended up releasing it as Stephen King. Really? Yeah, it wasn't Misery. I thought it was this one. No, it was so this it was one thinner. But this, but this one was. This could be, this could be a correction, but I know that that the the book this, that was like right on that cusp was thinner. This one was. This this book this book in Stephen King's mind was always supposed to be a Richard Bachman book. That might be the case, but it was never but it was never going to be released as that. I don't believe. Like that, this could be a correction. We'll look it up. Was but. thinner actually was thinner actually released as a Bachman? No, book? no, because right before it's released, uh, whoever it was that figured out it was him, and it was based on like a publishing thing. Where it's like he's just like, oh that? yeah, it was a guy who was working at a. A bookstore, yeah, basically, yeah, and he and realized he, that one of the star- stories. He started to realize, oh man, like this Richard Bachman guy really writes a lot like Stephen King. And then he looked, and then in the insert before Stephen King got wise about it, he actually had put the pub. It was like one the book. publishing rights underneath his now name. Well, it was Rage. I think it was Rage. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was under his own name. His was, original yeah. Richard Bachman book was the the publishing rights were under Stephen King. Yeah, which I'm surprised it took it's so long for anybody to realize that. Eh, people just didn't look. People didn't care. Yeah, that's yeah, that's wild. But um, but yeah, no, like uh, I I think it was thinner, and this one might have been because he did release was it Blaze, and then there was one other book he still released under Bachman like later on in his career. No, there was a bunch of them. I think the Long Walk was um, that was before. That was Bachman. That, that was you, before. It was before what? Uh, before he was outed. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what I'm saying is after he was outed, he still put out, I think Blaze was one. Oh, And there okay. might have been one or two other books he still released under the name, even though okay. everyone knew it was Yeah, him. I get what you're saying, though. Um, but like I said, that'll probably be a correction for next week, though, or, sure. or a follow-up at least. But um, yeah, I don't know, dude. This movie's incredible. I'm so fucking happy that I finally saw it. Um, I, I can't recommend this movie more and, to anyone and, to see it. And Rob Reiner, right? Dude, Rob Reiner's great. Like, who would have expected Rob Reiner to... <laughs> I need to see Stand By Me now. I've never seen it. You've never seen Stand By Me? It's nope. so good, I know, dude. dude. Like I said, these That's are... like one of my... That was that was one of my... Like, the, the movie... Uh, the type of movie that whenever we had some sort of event where all my cousins would be sleeping over at, yeah. my, at my parents' house, we would all... We'd watch Stand By Me. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. It's such I'll put a good it, movie. I'll put it on my watch list. But um, um but yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I love this movie so much. Just f- amazing performances all together. Uh tense as fuck. Yeah. Like there's so many yeah. there's so many scenes where you're Not just, just like the one in even, my pants. even re- <laughs> even rewatching it now. I've seen this movie you know, dozens, just as dozens of times, and like, and I'm still just like, oh, get back in your chair, get back in the room. Oh my god, dude! Like, yep, yep. it's it's really tense throughout the entire movie. It's just a fucking, it's just a good movie, very yep. very good movie. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that's it. I think that's it. That's it for this week. 
Uh, do we know what we're doing next week? No. I have no idea. Nah, we'll figure it we'll out. We'll figure it out. We'll let you know. Uh, before then, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and SoundCloud at the Buzzed Kill Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at the Buzzkill PC and all major streaming services. Clearly, you've already found us, so please tell a friend. That was really fancy. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Tell Larry. You got a friend, Larry? Tell Larry. Yeah. And tell Larry's stupid pet pig. Pet pig misery. <laughs> that dumb bitch. Uh, where, where she, was, where where she was can find us for the rest of this, you know? Come on, misery could have helped. Uh, well, the bummer thing is that misery ended up kind of without a mom. In the novel, it's like she bacon w- without a mouth. In the novel, she was gonna actually feed the feed Paul to the to oh, the pig. shit, really? Yeah, oh, sorry, so spoiler good. alert, sequel. Yeah, <laughs> so the babe is equally a misery sequel and a babe sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Charlotte's Web. And some pig. <laughs> She's eating a guy. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's it. That's it. That's it. See you. That's all. Bye. Bye. See you next week. Yep. Bye. Bye.